The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 18 Again I stood in the mirrored hall, gazing into my own images. I wondered just what I was doing here, in this weird chamber at the very bottom of the amatherium, covered in nothing but reflective surfaces. I didn't just wonder what I was doing in this hallway, but rather on this station, with these people. I was standing in this awkward room, with an AI watching my every thought, about to let the Nyar go even deeper into my subconscious mind. I didn't fit in with the Nyar. Not really. I liked some of their ideas, and generally their lives seemed nice enough. But this existence of theirs was also regulated, so steady, controlled from every corner by all-powerful machines and mind networks that you could never leave. While there may have been a part of me who liked it, who respected their virtues, their intelligence, the smooth way they ran their society, there was also another part of me disgusted with it all. With the utter control, the enforced morality, the dug-a-crap, that part of me just wanted to fly away, to steal one of their ships and zoom off into a random direction. To be free. To have fun. Why did I stay? Was I one of the Nihar? Was I loyal to these control freaks? Who was I, even? Maybe that's why I was staying. To find out who I was. I wasn't sure if I really was just Kef anymore. Even if I was, I'd left all the junk collecting and the wandering back on Arubis. Everyone who I cared about was a person in my head now. I could see them. Rayleigh, Burge, even Bakibra, staring back as I looked at the mirror in front of me. And when I thought back on my experiences... I was sure they included a lot more than just Kef. The prior lives I had viewed back in the tower, and I was someone else before them. I was sure, before even Aruvis. There had to be a reason I could connect with the starship's mind when the majority of people on my planet couldn't. The same for why I had a latent knack for turning myself invisible or cloaking my presence. The chill ran through me when I thought of it. Yeah, maybe I didn't fully belong here, but I needed to know who I was. The Nyar had my answers, and Aruvis's fate relied on having those answers. So they claimed, some secret hidden in my mind that would reveal the reason the Vare were on my planet. So here I was, about to delve into my infinite subconscious. You may enter, spoke a voice in my mind, resonant and hollow. The doors leading into the central chamber of the mirrored hall opened, melting from the wall. Once more I stepped through, alone, into that great spherical room whose walls threw back no reflections despite appearing as mirrors. Savaharthus stood tall before me, his translucent emerald body looking like a statue in the pristine light of the hall, wings folded behind his back, a perfectly serene face staring down at me 
betraying no emotions. Again, I was here. The same hall I had communed with the Nyar Council in. Face to face with the same inscrutable being who had met with me then. I felt a tad nervous, a touch twitchy, and more than a little annoyed. Still, seeing a chair opposite the tall crystalline Nyar, I sat down in it and looked up into the being's yellow gemstone eyes. You have been made aware of your purpose for being here, stated Sevaharthus. I could feel a chill across my skin as he stared me over. Yup, I said. I'm gonna do the whole mind meld thing. I guess you're the one who's gonna lead me through it all. I will be guiding you through your own pre-life memories. You may have experienced a portion of them yourself when you first ascended. These are the identities you held before your final incarnation on the planet. And we theorize that within them is hidden a crucial piece of information to us. Please note that the experience will be vivid, realistic, and possibly disturbing. But you will not be harmed. Simply listen to my guidance and all will be well. Understood? Yeah, yeah, got it. I nodded to the unexpressive being. Very well. Now keep your gaze focused upon my two eyes. As I began to do so, those eyes took on a luster, their gemstone-like surface glowing with an inner yellow light swirling in spiral patterns. The rest of the room dimmed as I focused on those patterns, which drew gradually closer. My body fell numb, my sense of place vanishing. Now we will begin, intoned Savaharthas. I sunk into the void of my mind, around me only darkness. We seek out, as a launch point, the first identity you can recall prior to Kef. Upon the world known as Aruvis, see it, recall it, be there. Before me appeared the scene, the orange sun of morning rising over a small river village. The muddy ganad flowed like a ribbon through a tiny settlement of ten mud brick buildings. In the distance, the green and purple hills of the river valley ringed the horizon. Flarn flitted across the skies. The acrid scent of Dugga wafted through the air, accompanied by the more gentle odors of grasses and flowers. Kef faded into the background, and my persona became the one known as Yella, a woman of the river towns. Her flesh caked in a layer of mud, wide of hip and of shoulder, her mind strong and healthy, if uncomplicated. Yella stood ankle-deep in the muddy field, the coolness of the red earth upon her bare soles. With one hand on the reins of her dugga ag, she directed the bulky beast across the newly plowed field. She tugged hard on its reins, but ag would barely budge, the eight-legged thing digging its multi-jointed limbs into the earth. She threw the creature an annoyed glare, but the dugga just gazed back at her with his oblivious, multifaceted eyes of a reflective green hue. ma 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 issued the sound from its funnel-shaped mouth. She looked over her shoulder to the red adobe home on her right. Through the curtain door, she could already hear the sounds of the children laughing and teasing one another, <laughs> Gadu's deeper voice occasionally interceding to calm them down. The scent of rising bread wafted out to her on the wind. She'd be done with the plowing soon, just in time for the morning meal. Gadu still berated himself over having his wife do such muddy work. 
But Yella knew that Duggo would never let him lead it about. A fine partner, but the man could truly be a yug at times. Yella turned back to Ag. Come on, you stubborn thing, she whispered to it, the smile on her face as she ran her hands across its fleshy scalp. Get ya move on. As Yella did so, she could feel a tingle going from her palm into the beast's head, accompanied by a flush of warmth in her own scalp. There, that ought to do it, she thought as the dugga lowered its head, calmed. The beast let loose a sigh of contentment, then nodded its head amiably at her. That was certainly something Gadu could never do. Talk to the Dugga. Not everyone could do it, really. Took the right kind of soul, it did. A blessing from the Lord's beyond. Yella mouthed a silent prayer to Lord Gurveth, and to Joth, who was said to govern the beasts. She was thankful, truly. Her life was not an easy one. None of the people's lives were easy. But she had a loyal partner in Gadu, two healthy children born untainted and her own health as well. Sometimes she dreamt of more, to be sure, but what more was there? Better to be here, protected in the river valley, than out in the wastes, killing and dying for scraps. Yellow once more took Ag's reins and directed it forward, this time with not so much effort. The dugga pulled the plow slowly through the mud-drenched fields, Yella standing close by its side. Keeping her left hand on the beast's collar, Yella was surprised by a sudden jolt as the plow stopped in place, tugging violently at the harness. Ag let out a yelp of surprise. A quick look at the dugga told Yella that it was unhurt, just jostled. It must have struck a stone, she figured, but when she squatted down to examine what the plow was stuck on, she was surprised to see something metallic shining in the orange sunlight. Yella cupped her hands together and began moving away the excess mud. There, embedded in her field, was a curious find. A rounded piece of silvery metal, jutting up out of the ground, one side of it covered in rivets with wires stuck in them. She reached out to touch it, running her dirty fingers across the soft metal. Yella felt a tingle running all across her body. Her head was all funny, like there was someone else in it or looking over her shoulder. For an instant, she wasn't in the field anymore. But zooming through the stars, shining lights kaleidoscoping around her, the feeling of impossibly rapid motion. She blinked and she was back in the field, but her hand was still on the metal object, and her whole body was humming. For a brief instant, Yellow was someone else, her identity as a farm wife gone, her perspective strange and alien, as she gazed out over a foreign farmstead the only familiar sight being the broken metal on the ground. She snapped out of her trance, hearing a shrill scream from over her shoulder. A child's scream. She looked to her right, and there stood her eldest, Danab, and behind the boy his sister, the tiny Lika. The boy, wide-chested for his age, wore a bright smile on his face. The girl behind him waved awkwardly at her mother. Mama, time to come in, said the lad. Yellow fully emerged from her reverie, her identity returning. She looked down at the metal lodge in her field, shook her head, forcing her gaze from it. It was an abomination, probably one of the old people's sinful relics, trying to force its will upon her. She'd have to get Gadu to remove it and dispose of it before the priests came. 
Whatever strange vision that artifact had induced in her, she told herself that she'd best forget about it before her tongue slipped in front of the wrong folks. Yella turned fully towards her children, returning their smiles. Already the delightful scent of risen bread was meeting her nostrils. She kicked some dirt in front of the mostly buried relic and turned to her dugga. She began leading the beast back the other way, towards the family barn. And while she would not admit it to herself, a part of Yella still thought of that curious relic and yearned to know more of it. I stepped back from the lifetime that was playing out, Kef once more returning to me. I paused a moment, seeing the life of Yella continuing in my background. Just like me, that lady had felt the pull of the old ships. While she hadn't done much about it, the farmwife had her encounter. From what I sensed, her life would not go on much longer, and within five years, Yella would die in the midst of a troubled birth. Sad, but I supposed it had already happened, even if not from the perspective I had just seen. Those two kids looked familiar, somehow. Info surged into my mind. Rayleigh. Birds. Their identities came clearly in the monad, matching energy signatures exactly. Huh. Those two as my kids. It was an odd thought. Concept that made me feel vaguely uncomfortable. But the connection was there. The memories present. In a way, it made sense. It worked. Even if in the latest life I had been the immature one out of the three. I smiled inwardly, feeling an urge to turn back to Yellow's life for a bit. If only to find out what happened to those kids. This lifetime does not contain our required information, droned Savahartha's in my mind. The landscape spun around me, whirling about until it all merged into a singular vortex of light that trailed off like water going down a drain. Further back you must go, intoned Savahartha's. And that I did. My awareness pulled through the dreamy landscape of lifetimes, flowing past me like a river. Stop, Stop, the being finally said. The ever-changing imagery shifted to a steady scene. Everything was on fire. The city burned. The rows of stone and metal towers set aflame, bellowing black smoke into a hazy orange sky. People darted all about, some seeking for shelter of buildings, others hurtling over one another to get to safety. Their screams filled the air. Bodies littered the ground. Some torn open and bloody, others charred and smoking, like the buildings around them. The last safe city was safe no more. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.